This is Father Gregory Pine. And this is Father Bonaventure Chapman. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Bonaventure and I are very pleased uh, for this guest planning episode to welcome Monsignor uh, Stephen Rossetti. So, Monsignor Rossetti, thanks so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be with you both. All right. Uh, Monsignor Rossetti, uh, most of our listeners will be familiar with you and with your work insofar as it is, um, yeah, it's present in many different Catholic media outlets. But would you just introduce who you are, where you're from, uh, the things that you're working on presently, and where people might encounter your work? Well, I'm a priest of the Diocese of Syracuse, New York. Uh, I've been teaching at Catholic University of America for a number of years. And I'm a licensed psychologist. Uh, but also, I've been also an exorcist and been so in the Archdiocese of Washington for about 13 or 14 years. So I know something about uh, exorcisms as well as uh, clinical work and also uh, pastoral theology. Wonderful. All right. Well, we thought that for this conversation, we could focus a little bit on the ordinary spiritual combat that we as Catholics or Christians more broadly uh, can, can undertake. Uh, so the way in which we can do it deliberately and intentionally without becoming obsessed by it or thrown for a loop. So maybe just to set it up, just thinking about the supernatural and the preternatural, obviously, you know, we're trying to think about God and to live our contemplative lives, but how much should or how much ought uh, an ordinary Christian to think about other things, right? Uh, I know on October 2nd, we're all reminded to think about our guardian angels. And when we do so, we're reminded of the fact that they're defending us against something. But how often, how often does the ordinary Christian think about the evil one and his demons and the way in which we protect ourselves and cleanse ourselves from those evil influences? Well, there's, there's two extremes. Uh, one would be to ignore completely and not believe in the existence of Satan. And and, and the existence of Satan and the demons are de fide. We, 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 this is part of our faith. And so we don't want to ignore completely uh, the fact that Satan does tempt us all. His ordinary work, if you will, Satan tempts all of us. You know. But the same token, the other extreme would be to be too obsessed about it, get frightened by it, too obsessed with it. You know, when Jesus sent out the apostles and the disciples, he sent them out. And they came back and they were jubilant. Lord, we saw the demons, uh, you know, the demons were subject to us. And Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. But don't rejoice so much that the demons are subject to you, but that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus is saying, yes, we cast out demons. Yes, there is a Satan and then Jesus cast them out. But primarily, we focus our eyes on the Lord and on Jesus and focus our eyes on the kingdom. You know, that seems that putting between things a virtuous mean is something that Dominicans are always excited about, obviously. Um, and as a, well, I should say, um, what do you find in your pastoral experience with people and such are the, what's like the most mis, uh, the most common misconception about, about demons in people's, in people's lives. So those, I mean, one of them, I suppose could be, they don't exist. But for those who do believe that they exist and form, what do you do? You, it's always good to remove negative things before putting positives. What do you find is the most common misconception that, we, that ordinary Catholics like ourselves? Well, you see this in Hollywood all the time. I mean, Hollywood gives the impression that Satan is this incredibly powerful being that that uh, really is more powerful than Jesus, and it's you know, and no, no, uh, compared to Jesus, Satan is dust. 
He's nothing, you know. And so people get too frightened by Satan, you know. Yes, we need to pay attention to his presence. Yes, we need to be protected. Practice the faith. You know, don't do any of these occult stuff. Don't invite him into your life. But we should all trust in Jesus and know that he's dust. And uh, and that's one of the big things we do in exorcism. We, we encourage the person. We help them trust in the Lord. Jesus Lord. Satan says, no, you're mine. I'm going to drag you to hell. And he might actually make uh, the possessed person suffer a little bit. But primarily, uh, he uh, is nothing compared to the power of Christ and is cast out eventually by Jesus. I think that's a beautiful reminder about the the incipient dualism uh, or Manichaeism, it's called the traditional yes. a heresy about that good and evil are, in a sense, equal principles. And it's up to us to decide which one wins or it's some contingent matter about which one wins. When, of course, in the Old Testament, you have this notion of Isaiah and the notion of God as being, I mean, other gods don't even exist. They're just wooden idols. Uh, and, of course, the New Testament picks this up in the person of Jesus who shows up on the scene. That's such a remi nice reminder that we don't believe in the sort of titanic. We believe in a battle against spiritual forces, but we should say it's even a battle is, is a maybe miss. It, it feels like then it's equal forces, but it's not equal forces at all. It's a mop-up procedure. That's a good way of putting it. There's this uh, inherent dualism in many people's minds. What I like to, to think of it as is, you know, I'm also, by the way, a chaplain to the Washington National Baseball Team, and which has been a joy in my life, especially when they won the World Series in 2019. But imagine, you know, watching the tape of an old game that your team won. You know who wins. You know you're going to win. I mean, you might get a little on edge even even so, but you know who wins the match. Same thing in this uh, the Christian journey. We know who wins. Jesus won. The death and resurrection of Jesus broke Satan's back, and uh, God wins. So relax. You know the game's over. Yeah. The only thing that's left in play is for us. You know, will you will you accept the salvation in Christ or not? That's all that's left. I think when when people do start to think about the evil one and his demons. There's a little bit of discomfort or anxiety that maybe I've done something in my life that has invited him in, or maybe there's some intergenerational sin whereby he's got a kind of handhold in my soul, or like there's a kind of sense that I don't really know how this all works, but I fear that maybe I am easier prey than the next human being. Um, for, for people who have anxieties of this sort, what would you say are the typical ways in which an individual invites the evil one into his and her life? Like, what are ways in which you think that this type of, you know, demonic influence is usually is usually started or is usually begun? Well, let me say this first, that uh, in Ephesians 6, that Christ is our shield, our protector, the faith protects us. So we should all be confident when we practice the faith. Go to confession, for example. Very one of the most powerful exorcistic things you can do is go to confession, regular mm -hmm. confession, regular sacraments. You know, live a holy life the best you can. Jesus, Jesus will protect you. Now, as I tell people sometimes, somewhat facetiously, but it's true, I can give you three steps, easy steps to becoming possessed. One, stop practicing the faith. That is your shield. You so it's like dropping your shield. Two. Start committing serious sins. And we all know what those are, too. Start committing serious sins. And then three, start doing some occult stuff. Magic, witchcraft, santeria, any sorts of occult stuff. So now you're giving Satan 
and uh, a ticket into your life. So you want to protect yourself? Don't do these sort of magic things. I don't care if you think it's, I, some people say, well, I'm a good witch. No, you're just a witch. In other words, if you're doing magic, regardless of what your intention is, when you're using magic, it doesn't, it's, there's no good can come from it because you can, you Dominicans know you can't achieve a good end through evil means. So when you do magic, that is a violation of the first commandment, an offense against God, it invites Satan into your life. I think that's a that's such a salubrious reminder um, that even when we intend to use something for good, if the object itself, the activity, you could say is is bad, um, then that will be a part be a part of it. So I can say, yeah. well, I'm trying to do, use these tarot cards or know the future or for the good. I'm not going to do it any, you know. And you could say, well, what about someone who says, well, I'm just trying to steal this money so that I can give it to the the poor, the good. I, I'm going to do this bad act for the good, sort of thing. And you say, well, that would be wrong. You know, you can't can't do evil so that good may come. In the same way, we think, oh, well, maybe it's like these are neutral games and, uh, you know, Ouija boards and all of that. Or, I mean, I think a bigger question on a lot of Catholics' minds, I know I get this, I suspect you do as well, is, for instance, practices that are so downstream in a way, like yoga or this sort of, or meditation, this sort of, maybe walk us through that, because those, yeah. like, I think most people that are listening are probably not, probably not inclined to become witches. I hope not. If you are, please um, re-listen re to this again. And, and uh, But um, most people, average people are, might be affected by something like yoga or transcendental meditation or something. Can you walk through some of the distinctions maybe in that where they might think, oh, I didn't know that this might be opening yeah. up, but it might be. Yeah, well, uh, it, it's uh, complicated in some ways. In some ways, it's easy. In other words, the, the extreme, right? When you're talking about tarot cards and, and Ouija boards and all that stuff, Charlie, Charlie, all those kinds of those are definitely obviously bad. Any sort of divination, uh, summoning the dead, necromancy, that sort of thing are all bad. Now, these other sorts of things. For example, there is a real Christian meditation. I mean, you, I'm sure you guys uh, uh, daily do some meditation. Try it, yeah. Well, we do our best. So there is really a Christian Catholic meditation. <laughs> uh, and But when you start invoking nameless spirits, it's like, not like Reiki, for example. The, the Catholic Church in the U.S. has is, is condemned Reiki because you're invoking these nameless energies without really naming them. In other words, so we invoke the, the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We invoke God or the angels or saints. In other words, we invoke oh, the holiness of God uh, in, in our spiritual practices. When you don't do that, see, uh, when you start doing this sort of nameless spiritual stuff, mm -hmm. uh, that's when, you know, who's answering the phone call there? Some people say, well, I, some people say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm practicing Druid. Sometimes they're practicing Druid, and we're invoking these sort of universal energies in, in, in the universe. You know, I think you might find out that what you're really invoking is Satan, you know. Uh, there are no sort of nameless spiritual energies, you know. If you ain't invoking God, you might be careful about who is really answering your phone call. You know, I like that, the phone call that, in a sense, when you, when you aim towards the spiritual world, it's not like there's a – that you're ringing it into a call center – and they know, oh, you know, that's a good person. They want to do good things. So we let the good angels or, or God answer that phone. Or like, oh, you know, the devil, this is an evil person. So we let the, no, no. When you invoke, you've got to invoke somebody. It's always a direct line to someone's desk, someone's office phone, not like a general kind of uh, yeah. call center. And if you're not directly invoking uh, the Lord, uh, you might be directly calling the office of, of, of a lesser, so we say a lesser or more malicious being. 
A malicious being actually more malicious. God's not really malicious. Okay, carry on. <laughs> um, so picking up on this observation of, okay, so you have people who are fascinated by occult things. You have people who experience a kind of transcendence in the explorations that they might make into Eastern spirituality. So they're looking for a kind of knowledge. They're looking for a kind of enlightenment. They're looking for a kind of transcendence. Um, so maybe, maybe we can identify certain aspects of that, which is just a, a sinful inclination. And then certain aspects of that, which is probably like a misdirected inclination. Um, like, what do you think, what resources do we have in the Catholic church that people are not availing themselves of, which speak better to the desires of the heart, which send people in these different occult or whatever, uh, other well, directions. As you're, they're implying there's a difference between uh, magic and occult stuff versus the, the, the Catholics enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we, we believe that God does infuse knowledge in us, of course, you, as you well know. Uh, but when we try to control it, it that's really was the original sin of, of Satan and this, the sin of magic, whatever. You're trying to control holy things without being subject to the Lord without accepting what God sends us in obedience and faith. So mm. that's all we, what we do. We open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and Pentecost is, you know, uh, every year we celebrate Pentecost. We open ourselves to that spirit. We all have a thirst and longing for, for God's truth and holiness and beauty and knowledge. So we accept what God sends to us in faith. That's different than trying to control it through magic. And when we do that, that's when we get. That's when you start to, going down the dark, the dark world, the dark path. Yeah, it seems like the fundamental. There's a there is a, a passivity or a receptivity in the spiritual posture of the Christian, so that even while we're going in or acting on something, we're responding to His grace and to Him, even in our activity. Whereas there's a fundamental kind of activity and striving in this demonic spiritual sense, perhaps that. You don't care about responding to anything outside of yourself, but you are rather calling things to respond to you, in a way. So maybe that's a maybe that's a fundamental distinction between the uh, spirituality towards God and spirituality towards towards Satan or something. Um, uh, th now, a lot of the a lot of people will think maybe if you're listening or have the questions about oh well exorcisms that was a thing when people didn't understand brain science or psychology. I mean, before Freud, you know, once we got those boys and the psychoanalytics and stuff, then we're, you know, we figured it all out and psychiatry is a good science and psychology. So, you know, if you believe in demons now or exorcism, that's just an old, you know, the old version, it's the Model T of like psychology. And what I like about you, Monsignor, is of course, uh, you've, you know, you drive Model Ts in this analogy and, you know, Hummers, I suppose. Um, you know, you know, both these, these fields. They're di and so how do you, as a psychologist, as well as an exorcist, the, how do you relate these two? I mean, one, what do you have to say to people who say, oh, exorcist, so that's just an old, old modern version of, of psychology and people's like disorder, mental disorders. And two, the realization that, oh, they actually, well, some are, might be mental disorders, but others really are. So this, I'm sure you get this up, but distinguish and Well, it's a, it's a complex question. I mean, yeah. well, I like a little story once that Father Gabriel Morth, the famous exorcist mm -hmm. from Rome, was gone to the Lord now, but he was really a pioneer in the field. And he was speaking to this Vatican cardinal, and the cardinal said, I don't believe in all this Satan stuff. And uh, Father Amorth said, well, your eminence, I have a book I want you to read. He said, well, what book is that? He said, it's the Bible. 
you know, mm -hmm. when you when you read the Bible, especially the New Testament and the, and the life of the ministry of Jesus, you you find out that Jesus essentially did three things. He uh, preached the good news. He healed people and he cast out demons, you know, and so uh, that was a, it's an integral part of the very uh, breaking into the kingdom is smashing Satan's yoke and control. And Jesus did that on the cross. The cross and the resurrection are the, the, the fundamental exorcism. So if you don't believe in Satan and exorcism, that sort of thing, it really means you don't believe in Jesus and you don't believe the New Testament because it's shot through the, the, the whole New Testament. Mm -hmm. and, and we experience that today in our ministry. So I've heard um, when it comes to like, offering an invitation to the evil one. What you talked about is, you know, cease practicing the faith, you know, commit serious sin, and then dabble in the new, the new age or the occult type things that we've discussed uh, at this point with, with some specificity. I've also heard that there's a connection between demonic influence and unforgiveness. Is that true? Um, if it's true in your experience, like what, what does that look like and how do people, you know, go about seeking forgiveness and healing in their lives? Well, the uh, good question. Well, when, the, the, the liberation journey, the healing journey, there's a couple of things which really need to take place. Typically, the demons can latch on to internal unforgiveness and hatred and anger. That's their life. That's what demons are. They spend eternity angry at God in a rage. And, and, uh, and so when we are like that, uh, we're, I say we're feeding the demons. Jesus said, no, no, forgive. Jesus on the cross forgave people that forgave the people who killed them so uh that when we forgive people we actually uh the first person that that benefits is ourselves when we hold on to unforgiveness you know it's 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 feeding the demons and the anger and stuff you know so you got to let go of it so if you're going to be liberated and free you need to let go of this and so at the beginning of every exorcism session we will take the person through a short forgiveness ritual in the holy name of Jesus, I willingly forgive the following people. We ask them to, to name those people. And we, and we say, in Jesus' name, I forgive them and I ask God to bless them. Now, that does not mean that, uh, that if someone did something evil to you, means, it means it's okay. No, no. If someone abused you, it doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't mean you need to have a warm feeling about the person. Because, you, you know, when someone abuses you, it's a bad thing. And as Dominicans know, this is... An act of the will. This forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of the will. I choose to let go of the anger and the, the, the desire for revenge. And I ask God to bless this person. When you do, you're set free first. Mm, yeah, I think, well, that's, I mean, this doesn't relate directly to exorcism, but I think our people often have a trouble distinguishing between forgiving and forgetting. Um, and they think that forgiveness means um, back to square one and nothing ever happened and this sort of thing. And I try to encourage people to make the distinction between forgiving and forgetting just because, you know, if someone, if someone kept giving you uh, – if someone kept stealing money from you and you keep forgiving them, you wouldn't just keep giving them money necessarily, right? But so, I mean, what – forgiveness, forgetting, do you – how do you come out down on that for assisting people? Oh, absolutely. It's a good way of thinking. And a little bit, for example, Jesus forgave the scribes and the Pharisees, but he yelled at them. He called them white and sepulchers. And uh, the blind guides, uh, he threw them, uh, threw the money change out of the temple. So Jesus was not soft on sin. 
you know, he, he named it for what it was, and he was he was a, a righteous indignation about it. Uh, yeah. But he did, but he did let go of the he uh, the, the, he forgave them. Now, um, so back to the back to the, your your book, and the uh, the uh, viewers or listeners can it's a diary of an American exorcist. Um, I think is the is the is the exact title of it, and it has a, it's beautiful cover, of course, um, and it's got an American flag on there, and of course. I'm an American, as we are, so I get excited about that. And Father Gregory's in Switzerland right now, so he's super excited about being American, I suspect. But it does raise the question, um, this isn't the diary of uh, a German exorcist or a Scandinavian exorcist, if there are any, or, you know, an Antarctic exorcist. I mean, penguins need help, too, maybe. Um, but so what, I mean, what is it about distinctive about being an American exorcist, other than baseball and the Nats, um, in the in the American experience, you could say of of this and your own experience as I mean, what what's the American distinction here? Uh, I actually don't think there is one. When I sit down and Great. talk to actually from around the world, our, it's it's surprising how similar our experiences. It really is an affirmation of our ministry. You know, I mean, exorcists can disagree on certain little things, but when you actually sit down with guys from around the world and you start talking about what is your experience, what do you you know you you find that uh, it's remarkably similar. For example, uh, I do. Uh, I have an. I have a blog that I do, as you as you know, and we have a, a monthly deliverance online deliverance session. You know, and we have people log. We have thousands of people log in every month for our online deliverance session, and we have uh, over twenty eight thousand subscribers from around the world. And it's interesting how similar the experiences are hmm. of of people who work in this ministry. Uh, so. You know, we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, the demons are everywhere, not just in the U.S. You know, I mean, same. You know, same demons, same people, same world. Like it's you know, it's all connected in physical causation and other things. So same demons um, around the time of Jesus as well. Yeah, they they live for a while, so they're uh, they, they've been around the <sighs> been around the block, you could say. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm I'm coming back to this idea of like fascination, as it were, the way in which people are kind of caught up or pulled into things, practices that invite demonic influence by virtue of the fact that they're what dispersed, by virtue of the fact that they're curious, by virtue of the fact that they're dissatisfied with their present experience of life or whatever it might be. And I think part of the way in which, uh, you know, like Americans often uh, experience this for the first time is through media. Um, and that's not just to say like movies, but also the music industry, it seems has taken an especially demonic turn as of late um, and kind of trying to set their viewing public at ease, which things, which would have with things with like, which would have horrified, um, maybe, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking like there's one recording artist, like Lil Uzi Vert, who's like name is supposed to sound like Lucifer. It's just fascinating that people would just step into that and own that. And I suppose, you know, based on, you know, testimony of what the music industry was like in the 60s, 70s and 80s, uh, kind of selling out for or buying into demonic culture is not it's not a novelty, but it seems like it's more intense or more in your face or whatever. I'm just trying to trying to situate, trying to frame um, when we when we engage with the media, um, like what are what are we thinking prudentially? Like what's what's bad magic? What's what's permissible magic? Because when I watch the Lord of the Rings, you know, Gandalf does magic, but I don't have any alarms go off in my in my mind and heart. But then when you see, you know, like whatever, like a heavy metal concert and people are like holding up goblets with, filled with what looks like blood and then they drink it off. It's like, what is going on? You know, so like how do we how do we as Christians engaging with our culture and especially with its media make those 
make those distinctions between what's good, what we ought to distance ourselves from, what we might even need to cleanse ourselves from and and renounce in a certain way. Uh, I guess maybe just some, some pointers along those lines. Yeah, there's no, there is no good magic. Just be real clear about that. There's no good magic. <laughs> hey, I've seen the Harry Potter stories. I like Harry Potter, he's a nice guy, you know, and, and, they, and there's a lot of good values in, in there, uh, you know, in terms of friendship and fellowship and love and goodness and that sort of thing. Uh, but the danger, I mean, there is a danger to it. And people think, well, this is, this is a, okay, I'm gonna be, a, a, I'm gonna be like Harry Potter, I'm gonna do good magic. No, there's no good magic. So there is that way in which people today, as you say, are more uh, attuned and comfortable to, with uh, the occult and the demonic, which is why I uh, semi-facetiously say the, the basic homily I wanna give in every parish is, you know, God is good, Satan is bad. Angels are good. Demons are bad. You know, prayer, sacraments are good. Magic and, and, and occult stuff is evil. And again, as we said earlier, it, I don't care what your intention is. You start uh, doing occult stuff. And magic is essentially, and witchcraft essentially is, are there minions of Satan, whether they know it or not? They say, no, 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 I, no, 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 you, you, you are. When you de declare yourself a witch, and by the way, it's not that it's, it, it's not that uncommon. I was feeling pretty chuffed, uh, proud of myself when we had 28,000 subscribers. And then I found out there's this witch in the Northwest who has 400,000 followers in her social media. 400,000 people is following this pro professed witch on her uh, one of her social media sites. So I'm going, whoa. Yeah. Evil is uh, evil is a pace right now, and uh, it, it's a big business, and they're yeah they're doing. But don't worry, as you say, I think again we know the we know the the end result, we know the, the, how it's going. So it's mop up incident at this point. Well, but the the, the problem is is that uh, right, we're praying over several people right now. Uh, yeah, what got into the, the deep spirituality behind yoga? She was doing this uh, uh, Kundalini yoga and the serpent and all that stuff, and the uh, and. And uh, she was doing a witchcraft as well. And she got, she got a, a demonic presence big time. And so there's, we have a few people like that. Uh, so well-intentioned people who are misguided uh, can find themselves in a spiritual jam if they're not careful. Yeah, no good magic. Um, Monsignor Rossetti, I'm just thinking from, you know, not many people meet an exorcist, uh, I suspect, on, on good terms, you could say. And I'm wondering, uh, what, what surprised, you know, you know, it's not, it's like confession. We're not gonna say, oh yeah, you couldn't believe what I heard. Um, but like what surprised you've been, you've been an exorcist or been involved in exorcism for many years now. Um, what surprises, what surprised you? Were there anything that surprised you that you, you say, wow, I wish people knew this sort of thing. Um, you've talked about some of these things, but explicitly, are there any things that, you know, someone might not know about about this area, and like, what what kind of shock surprised you, or continues to surprise you, maybe? Well, here's something that uh, a religious and priests uh, might want to note, which I I found interesting, uh, that there is more demonic obsession than I realized. Now, what uh, demonic obsession is is that Satan gets into your head, you know, and he really. Uh, now we all can be a little bit scrupulous and all that sort of stuff, but when Satan gets involved, we, there is this, can be very intense uh, thoughts. And here's the typical satanic message in obsessions. Uh, you're basically evil. 
Uh, God doesn't care about you. Uh, there's no hope for you. You know, uh, you know, you're full of anger and blasphemy, and you might as well just kill yourself. So these sort of and the very the very typical demonic obsessions. And we have a number of priests that we prayed over and religious, by the way, and uh, they had this terrible stuff going on in their head. And it seemed outsized compared to their psychological weaknesses. And this is this is not looking right. So uh, this is more than more than something psychological. And so we pray over the guy or the or the, or the woman. And after about six to nine sessions, it's surprisingly how those demonic obsessions. I mean, uh, almost they don't go away completely because of the psychological uh, problems. But I'd say you know, eight seventy uh, percent of it disappears. Yeah. Um, well, Monsignor Rosetta, we've we've come to the end of our time for this episode, and we're very appreciative, very grateful for you having taken the time, uh, and I'm I'm sure our, our our listeners are very appreciative as well. Insofar as they are yet better fortified and shielded against the influence of the evil one, and um, yeah, consoled and uh, made yet more confident by the presence of of God and His grace. Uh, maybe just as a as a parting word, uh, can you just share a little bit about? where people can find resources that you have described in the course of this episode, resources for deliverance, resources for following your work and engaging with the things that you're, uh, you're, you're doing these days. Well, uh, as we mentioned there, we have a website, uh, catholicexorcism.org, catholicexorcism.org, or an app called Catholic Exorcism. There's a lot of great resources there, including deliverance videos, uh, also, uh, uh, deliverance prayers and resource uh, books, articles, whatever. Uh, every once a month, we have an online deliverance session. People need to register for. You'll see it. Our next one is uh, in, in the, you know next month. So once a month. And so go to those if you think you got a you have a a, a problem, a demonic problem, and attend those. Uh, of course, read the book as, as you mentioned, uh, Diary of American Exorcist. I think you'll find it. Uh, helpful theologically and, and spiritually. Uh, but if you have a, if you have a real a serious problem yourself, then you'll need to go to a local diocese, the local diocese. We, we don't take people outside our diocese. You need to go to your own diocese, uh, call the chancery and, and ask for the diocesan exorcist if you feel you need one. And I think I, 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 was, I want to mention that I love a new word or new adjective, exorcistic practices. Um, the practice of the faith is exorcistic. I really like that, that um, we have plenty. The best way to avoid t temptation and, and, and demonic possession is practice the faith. You know, Absolutely. Faith. Jesus is our, is our protector and our shield. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, thanks again to you uh, for your generosity and our prayers for you and your work and in your ministry. So thanks all uh, to uh, thanks again to all of our supporters. If you'd like to tie through the work, please check us out at Patreon.com/GodsPlanning. If you would follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and then uh, if you're up for it, we'd encourage you to be up for it. Like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. Insofar as that helps to get the word out, so that other people can encounter the message and be drawn in yet more fruitfully to the practice of the faith. Uh, visit GodsPlanning.org to shop merchandise and to get dates and information for upcoming GodsPlanning events, which includes the three retreats which are to be hosted. Uh, this summer, and just again, again uh, to all those who do support us, we're very grateful for your support because it makes things like that possible. So the retreats don't make any money; they're just as a way by which to uh, deepen the relationships which we foster on the podcast, so that way we can grow in the faith together. So check that out at GodsBlending.org. We can apply for those retreats, which are in July and August in New York and uh, in North Carolina. 
All right, so that's all from us. Uh, know that our prayers are for you, and we'd ask that you please pray for us in return. We'll catch you next time on God's Winning.